You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. You make me uncomfortable when I look at you. What? Yeah, you, oh. you make me uncomfortable. Guess who's going to get stared at throughout the entire episode? <clears throat> Hold on, I really got to make sure my notes are going to come my up here. My anus. Are you not ready yet? I'm. Don't. I am ready. Is the internet ready? Is the better question. <laughs> I don't think the internet's are ever been ready, ready for us here nope. on the editing bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. I'm Joel, and this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're uh, they're bad movies, and sometimes they are uh, underappreciated, undiscovered gems of the cinematic universe. Or sometimes they're just fantastic films that we decide to talk about. Whatever the case may be, <laughs> we will watch these movies and uh, then come back here and discuss it with each other and uh, with you, our lovely editing bay. Listeners, I'm um, with you. That's a little uh, Avril Lavigne for you. From what movie? Joe. Is that from a movie? Uh-huh. No. Really? A- Aragon. The, the kid from the Lord dragon. of the Rings? No, no, no. Aragon, the <laughs> dragon. <laughs> no one's ever made that joke before. I know. I'm playing. <laughs> Goddamn. I'm playing. Uh, so, yeah, we talk about movies. And then you can talk back to us. Uh, on our Facebook page, if you go to Facebook, put in the search bar, the editing bay, find the woman with the bleeding eyes. That's us, and uh, you could talk back to us. Not in real time, <laughs> because no. that would be fantastic, but uh, impossible. <laughs> Unless we did the Periscope thing. Have you seen MVP? Are they, they doing it they now? Did, they did a live uh, a live podcast this, nice. uh, this past weekend. How many viewers did they have? Uh, I, I don't know. I know I tuned in, and I watched them do their thing, which was pretty awesome. That'd be a nice substitute for the live show. Then we wouldn't have to pay for anything. <laughs> we're just really, we're going to periscope it, watch us online I contacted, at 6.30 I on Monday. I contacted a place about doing a live show. Oh, yeah? Already? Yeah, yeah I've reached out. I've reached out to a place. Reach not out, traditional. Not free. watching a movie on like a big screen. Mm. Uh, this is a, uh, a restaurant bar off of Greenville Ooh. that has a whole bunch of TVs and stuff. And I thought this might be a kind of a fun little take on it where like people come in and they show the movie all on all the screens. Mm-hmm. And people can like order food and talk and stuff while the movie's going on. And then afterwards, we do our usual uh, podcast recording. Everybody leaves. <laughs> everybody, that's, everybody that's when they drop off. the checks. Everybody leaves. <laughs> and the tip your uh, yeah, no. So, uh, so we might have some uh, some news to report very soon, or maybe we won't. <laughs> I feel like you just pre-announced it, so <laughs> don't uh, kind of have don't, to. Now, don't, don't hold we? us to it. So we've changed up the program a bit, which yes. we tend to do uh, whenever whenever some bad news comes down, and uh, and this is some rough one. We've this had is, a lot of a rough one. A lot of bad news uh, this summer. Yeah. It's not been a good summer for for uh, old people in the film industry. Well, it hasn't been. It hasn't been a good summer for influential like. Indie, right? Indie movie. Well, I don't want to say indie, but they were. They were kind of on the fringe at the time. Uh, creators from like back in the eighties, like the mid to late eighties. Mm-hmm. I mean, for this for this case, it's like seventies, the late seventies and on. Uh, you know, you had Roddy Piper who you know teamed up with John Carpenter to do some great stuff. That's right. And now the news comes down that Wes Craven, creator mm-hmm. of The Hills Have Eyes and Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, the Scream franchise. Scream, dude. This is the guy that almost every generation has reinvented himself and reinvented the genre in some way. Now, granted, he's also kind of the Stallone of horror, where he ends up <laughs> sequelizing his shit into the ground. Oh my god! Uh, but that's that can't take away from how revolutionary he is, was rather as mm. a filmmaker and a storyteller. Uh, so this episode dedicated to Wes Craven. 
uh, we are going to be talking about Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yes, which I, I don't even know what number in this series seven. this is. It is it's seven. The, it's the seventh lucky, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Lucky number seven. And so I know it's not the final one, but is what it is actually. It is of this iteration. It's, it's the last Robert Englund, uh, Wes Craven. That's right. Because then they rebooted it. I guess early aughts with Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, which yeah. I think is a great pick. A little short. He's no. Not I as thought he was a fantastic pick for Creepy Freddy Krueger. Fuck. Uh, I just thought that he was given a horrible script. I never saw it. it. I mean, it was basically a remake of the original, but they tried. They just tried too hard to like update it. Oh uh, yeah. Instead of just doing, let it be its own story. Uh, I don't know. See, I say that, and there are parts when I'm watching the movie, it's like I really wish they'd have gone their own way with this. Mm. And then they did some stuff where they went their own way with it. I was like, I really wish they'd stuck to the source <laughs> material. <laughs> Can't win for losing. You know, they didn't. They didn't stretch out where they should have, <laughs> and then they branched off when they should have just stayed. Stayed true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, yeah, we're talking about Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is, uh, this is an example of Wes Craven after sequelizing the Freddy franchise. Here's the thing about Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Kind of like with The Exorcist, Nightmare on Elm Street had a lot more going for it, like, psychologically than it did on the screen, right. like, you know, graphically. We think of it now as the the slasher flicks, uh-huh. blood flying everywhere and kids screaming, when really you go back and watch, if you were to count the minutes that a scene like that happens, occurs in the first it's 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 less than what an eighth of the movie. Yeah, yeah, and it, very little. And the thing was, you know, especially for movies back then, especially with the moment with uh, with Johnny Depp. If you guys remember the first Nightmare on Elm Street, when Johnny Depp gets killed, like pulled into his bed, and then just like blood flows up onto the ceiling and stuff in gallons. That was this kind of stuff that scared audiences. You didn't see things like that in movies, uh, and so something like that that was. That was hyper violent and like it, it 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 shocked people and it scared them from the movie houses and this was the kind of thing that was like we dare you to sit through this terrifying uh. film and a lot like with the exorcist you know you watch I was talking with Sarah about this you know audiences now kids growing up now when they see the exorcist they're not scared by it no because they've been they've been tempered by like all this torture porn and stuff right. that they don't get the psychological aspect of the exorcist and what made it so terrifying back in the day did you see it when it was re-released back yeah. in like early 2000s they had to go in and add in like those there there were i remember one scene the where scene somebody she backward crab walks or whatever well no it, it was even more subtle than that like they didn't trust audiences current day audiences to like make it through from scene to scene without their losing their attention uh-huh. so there's you know just randomly they would put like demonic faces in oh i there's didn't a know scene that where, like she flips a light on and there's like a, a fight club like flash frame of like a demonic face holy shit and i i that was the fir- that was the first time i'd seen it sadly and i was like Oh, was that in the original? And wow. did a little research, and nope, they had to they had to, to amp it up, amp up the scares. That's amazing. I yeah. had no idea about that. You don't have to. No, With The Exorcist. You <laughs> don't have to. It's a great film on its own. If if you can pay attention to a story like that's a terrifying film, and and I don't think for me it doesn't lose any of its luster. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what I don't like, I don't like the horror movies that you know that this next generation is growing up with. You know the torture point. I like when I first saw when I first saw the movie Saw. I hate saying that. I see. Uh, when I saw see saw saw, um, <laughs> when I first saw that movie, I thought, "Wow, you know, this is pretty great. You know, this is something I hadn't seen before. A little pretty groundbreaking." But it it depended very much on like the whole. It's gruesome and it's going to make you cringe, and it's mm-hmm. you know it, the most horrible things that can happen to somebody are happening in this movie. That's why I didn't see it. Yeah, and to sequelize it as much as you have, like man. 
we don't need to see it. And it's it, it spawned a whole generation of just movies that were like just fucking horrible to your protagonist. I do, I, I, and I, I kind of weep for the future of the youth who was brought up on these movies. I'm not sure what kind of impact that's going to have on them. And maybe it's, and there's a case to be made, much in the same way that there is with video games, that, you know, this, they're being desensitized, but it's not necessarily a negative thing. That yeah. it's, it, it's not translating to people going out and torturing and killing each other. Right. Um, but still, psychologically, it can't be good. I just think that it's robbing, it, it, it's robbing this next generation of like how to, how to really let your imagination fill in the blanks right. and like and make you feel the way that you're supposed to feel, especially when watching something like The Exorcist or watching something like The First Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. to bring it back around. Nice segue. So The First Nightmare on Elm Street was terrifying because what Wes Craven did was he put like these visceral nightmare images in this movie. You know, it might not have helped move the story forward, but like there was just some imagery, especially in the very beginning when they first start going into like the dreams and Freddy's hunting them down, where this stuff is like, especially for the time, it's it's visceral. It's terrifying in its own way. Like Freddy walking down. He's he's stalking uh, Tina. I think is her name. And he's got the long arms. Yep. And he's scraping kind of, against it's the scraping wall. Against, I mean, you sit there and you analyze it now, and you're like, that's so cheesy. It's been done over it's, and over. Yeah, again. but na- but at the time, it's like, whoa, my god, that is terrifying. I've had nightmares like this. You know, there's that's they what it they is. play off of the thing that like we've all had nightmares yep. about. We've had nightmares about this or that, and 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 he pulled that out of you as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. He was able to kind of identify with that thing that's universal in all of us mm-hmm. and he put it on the screen but then he sequelized it to, to hell yeah. and Freddy Krueger who was once this like really scary villain eventually through the course of these movies turned into fucking Bugs Bunny it, it, it's it's funny and I didn't realize we were catching the, the last uh, section of, of that first movie and you could start to see hints of it there where they were getting a little crazy with the, the slapstick traps. oh my yeah, god! Exactly. I totally forgot own. about that I was like what <laughs> but I remember by like the time the fourth one came out which may have been the last one I saw in theaters it was yeah he wasn't scary anymore it was kind of like funny yeah and you'd go there with your friends now I'm playing with power (laughs) yeah yeah, killed the guy with the Nintendo he started uh, yeah Yeah. he started working into pop culture everything was a catchphrase Mm -hmm. everybody he killed he was almost as bad as Schwarzenegger right yeah Mm -hmm. and so you stopped being scared of him he became a cultural icon and he stopped being uh, he stopped being scary Mm -hmm. Because he was like, every time he killed someone, he had some funny quip or he was doing yep. something funny. James Bondish. And it stopped being scary. And that ended up being kind of the uh, the downfall of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Mm-hmm. And so you had the Freddy's Dead movie, The Final Nightmare. And then for like a few years, you didn't have any, any Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You know, obviously people weren't really clamoring for it. Yeah. And then suddenly this movie comes out called New Nightmare. Which 1994. I, I didn't know anything about. Mm-mm. I had no idea. I had seen like Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Huh. I wonder what this is about because I, I didn't see any commercials for it. And I think I was just starting to work at a movie theater at the time. I never saw any trailers. Oh, wow. So I missed the boat on like the ad campaign for this. So I had really no clue what this movie was about. And for some reason, I didn't put two and two together with the Nightmare Wes word. Craven and Nightmare. Wes yeah. Craven and Nightmare. So I went in and saw this movie with my friends and was completely shocked really when it was like oh is this a and like as the movie's starting i see like the the claw and stuff is that an homage to nightmare on elm street <laughs> and then like One could there's say. there's heather langenkamp and like then they're talking about this and there's and i gotta tell you joel when i first saw this movie i thought it was i thought it was for the time a, a brilliant uh, refresher of you know for this movie it was not only not only refreshing the franchise and doing something kind of 
uh, new and exciting with this property. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was like a really sweet love letter to the fans uh, of the franchise. Like, hey, we haven't forgotten you. You know, we miss you just as much as you miss Freddy. Uh, here's this story. Absolutely. And especially like when we think back about because there, there was this kind of renaissance in, in horror films. And a lot of people point to the Scream movies, also yeah. Wes Craven property. But that first one didn't come out until 1996, and I had never seen this this new nightmare. Uh, and so watching it, you can really kind of see like this. This was almost like a prequel to that because it was very self-referential. Uh-huh. It was it was very meta in in the way that it told the story. Yeah, and it it was uh, self-acknowledging of oh, yeah. These are the trope. Th- yes, this is what we've been doing, but it's actually re- I, lo- I love the concept behind. Yeah, it. Yeah, this movie predates Scream too by like what yeah, two couple years? years? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you could see like the makings, the makings of like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to take this little piece and we'll put it in Scream. Uh, but no, I love the concept. I loved the concept that you had all these actors playing themselves. Yeah. That it was like Heather Langenkamp and she's doing her thing and, and she's promoting like, oh, I don't know, we might do another Freddy movie. I have no mm-hmm. idea. And you start to get, you see the hints of like the Freddy, the Freddy persona, Freddy character starting to break through to the real world. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in the it, well, it wasn't really Freddy, right? It was like it was a demon. Yes, that was it's like t- feeding off of Wes Craven's creativity, it's taking the form. And of... It was taking the form of Freddy yeah. and wanted them to act out as the parts in the movie. Yeah, like I loved. It. We've seen stuff like this in movies, in, in TV shows like Supernatural, where a beast would kind of pull people into an alternate reality or feed off that fear mm. and kind of uh, and and personify that thing that everybody was afraid of. Uh, and so the only way to defeat it was to kind of play the part. Uh, I love concepts like that. Now, I can love the concept as much as I want. Uh-oh. <laughs> but when it comes to the execution, this movie that I really, really enjoyed yeah. when I first saw it in 94, uh-huh. uh, tw- 20 years later, mm-hmm. does not stand up. Yeah. Is it, is this the second time you've seen it this then? This is the second time this I've it, seen huh? it. Yeah. And so you, uh, obviously we were we were limited by our, our Wes Craven choices because this was such a last minute call. Uh-huh. Although it turns out uh, a, lot of, a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street movies on Netflix, there, uh, unbeknownst to uh, us. Yeah, I know the, the first one was on there when, yeah. when I went to watch this. Because, listener, uh, after it came down, like, I found out Wes Craven died from Joel. He oh, texted me. I, I felt so I had, bad about breaking the news to I you that way. I had no idea. And I've got You're to, usually so good about that. I've got to tell you, like, uh, like like that kind of like how how Roddy Piper passing away like kind of hit hard. This hit kind of hard. Like yeah. this was, you know, Wes Craven and, and the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's so influential on me, especially in my childhood. You know, I I could tell you countless stories about being a kid growing up in New York, having like weekend sleepovers with my buddy Sean, and like all night we'd watch Nightmare on Elm Street movies and Friday the Thirteenth and Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead, which they just showed at the Draft House. That I wanted to go see so mm. badly, but like we we stayed up and we watched horror movies and like Rambo, like all these violent violent films, which I don't know if that makes any sense about how I am today, but uh, but we watched all those movies and again like you know I could I couldn't even begin to tell you how many times we dressed up like Freddy Krueger for like this costume oh, yeah. party or this oh, Halloween or whatever. Dude, I remember Halloween like you had to call dibs on fucking Freddy like months out because yeah. everyone was like, all right, I called you were Freddy last year. We can't both show up in the <laughs> right. striped black and red shit. We're going to look like douches. So That's right. We're going to rock, paper, scissors for it right now, motherfucker. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, going back and watching this movie, uh, I, again, I still have the utmost appreciation for the concept of what, what Wes Craven was putting together. But it was it it was rough. It was rough to watch. And the first thing I I did after probably about halfway through the movie 
was I had to I had to go on like Wikipedia and look at how much it cost to make this movie. Yeah, because it was it was a little rough. It, it feels low budget. Uh-huh. Although, well, eight million admittedly eight mil. was the budget. That seems about right for this type of film. Although I bet in those previous movies they were getting up into the twenties, thirties, maybe forties, fifties. Oh, probably. Robert England can't be coming cheap at that point. Like yeah. he's, he's riding high. Yeah. Um. So yeah, th- this definitely seems like taking a. You know, we're gonna. We're gonna bring things back down to the original. We're gonna, you know, do this on super shoestring budget. Good news is, uh, what's her name? Heather Heather Langenship or whatever. She, she yeah, probably she probably did the movie cert for a for, song. Probably came cheap. Yeah. Uh, they may not have paid her at all, Joe. <laughs> this could be one of those situations where it's like you're gonna get, a, you know, a percentage of the the VHS. But uh, from what I understand, she really didn't need the work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a she's makeup t- artist. Is she really? She's done the... Oh, she's the, not an the, actress she, first, huh? Yeah. Well, that's surprising. <laughs> that's that surprising. <laughs> well, all that talent going to waste. We were we were watching, uh, when we got here to Jeff's, Jeff was watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street, uh-huh. and Sarah and I walked in, and she made an observation about Heather Langenkamp, where uh, she's like, wow, like she did not age well. No. And I, and I told her, I was like, honestly, I don't feel like she's changed. I felt like, you know, I feel like she looks very similar, kind of like John Saxon, the guy who played her father. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but, but the thing that really got me was I don't mind her so much in the first one mm-hmm. because she's a kid. Right. And so the the wooden acting right. kind of fits for that for that time for you the 80s it. and she's a teenager and mm-hmm. you know it kind of fit like that B horror movie kind of feel. Right. Her acting ability did not improve over time. No, no. <laughs> she and did we, not get better. 1994 audiences expect a little more than 1984 audiences. And, and, this is the same year Jurassic Park. And 2015 audience yes. expects a whole lot better. We're just not putting up with any when, of this When yet. I go back to it, and I'm like, oh my God, what? <laughs> She's, you know, I don't know how much of it to put the blame on her or the, no offense to the, you know, rest in peace, Wes Craven, yeah. but... There's a there's a scene here. Obviously, we have a body count. Some people die. Uh-huh. Her husband her dies th- horribly. Th- thank you, thank you. And and uh, suddenly in a car, like the next thing she knows, he's going out for milk or whatever. Well, no, he's no, no, racing no. back from the he's set. He's coming back from a set, mm-hmm. and he she just talked about. He's the phone. oddly specific about how long it'll take to get back home. Three hours. <laughs> I'll be home in three hours. Like wow, he's done it's this like, route a couple of wow, times. Okay, that's, that's uh, <laughs> so oddly specific. <laughs> one hour to take the one on one. Another hour to stop by that brothel. <laughs> and then uh, it's forty five really? minutes. An hour. Way home. Mm. Uh, well, you know, he's padding it, <laughs> padding the the time. Ten minutes. Five, <laughs> five minutes. Uh, this is an emergency. He's making an exception. <laughs> so yeah, no, he ends up passing away, and the and the police come to her door, mm-hmm. and they're like, uh, "Is your husband Chase, whatever his name right. is?" Um, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you this, but there's been a really bad accident. Yeah. Is, is how? it is how is he hurt? <laughs> I'm afraid it's much worse than that. <laughs> is is he is he dead? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes. I'm afraid. So like." Who are these asshole cops that are making right. her play the guessing game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you're, getting you're getting warmer. You're getting, you're getting warmer. Like instead, On a like, scale of one to ten. <laughs> when she asked, is he hurt? Ma'am, I'm sorry to, to tell you this, but he's passed away. <laughs> don't let, don't make don't say, this poor yes. woman like keep is guessing. Is she gonna lose a leg? Yes. <laughs> I would love to How like about an arm? do yes. like do like just a, a slow dissolve to like ten <laughs> ten hours later, and she's still guessing. <laughs> the clock spinning. <laughs> yes. Then we come back. Does he have a paper cut? <laughs> Will he regain his eyesight? <laughs> no. <laughs> is is he is he able to hop? Does he still have <laughs> his limbs? Uh, yes. Oh, actually, yes, he does still have his <laughs> limbs. limbs. The, uh, oh, he's okay. No, he's dead. So so we cut to her at the, at the morgue where apparently she's just allowed to, like, 
just roam. Yeah, you can just, just go. Roam around. Dead bodies everywhere. They got the the midnight shift working there. Just listening to the radio, chilling she out. She walks into the office where there's a bunch of dudes just working on corpses, and a right. guy turns. And he's like, "Hey, ma'am, can I help you?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? You're the you're the. There's no help desk. There's no uh, reception well, like, why, area. Well, why wasn't she escorted by the cops to the yeah. morgue? Like, don't they generally do that? Like, no. Okay, One come with think. us. Let, let's let's walk you down there. You probably shouldn't be alone. Uh, because you're so upset, you should probably look like you're upset. Because you're so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. upset. Because she did not. People are going to get suspicious if you're not crying at this moment. You're being being kind of weird about she, you wanting to see the body. She handled the death of her husband very well. I yeah. Think. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I see yeah. where you're going. With the that. kid too. Really, everyone's just taking well, it all. The kid in the stride. has an excuse. The kid's being possessed by a demon. True. True. So I'm all right with the kid. <laughs> uh, the kid who, by the way, is like that little boy that was in every movie. Right. In like I the thought late I recognized 90s. him. Yeah. yeah. He was in everything. He played. Didn't he play like the autistic kid in Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis? I think he played the autistic kid in this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him. Never sleep again. He's really creepy. Anytime you get kids doing like low voices like that and and run just walking stone cold. Yeah. Not not paying attention. It uh-huh. was uh, he was it was very disturbing. Also disturbing uh the amount of times they say that fucking kid's name. Oh my D- god. Dylan. Drinking game. Dylan. Uh, oh, is it Dylan? I wasn't quite sure. It might be Dylan. Say it another 500 times. Dylan. Fucking Dylan. Maybe seriously, Dylan. 103 times. They characters s- in this movie say his name. Oh, seriously? Yes. You counted? Uh, or well, did somebody count? Uh, somebody on Wikipedia did. Oh my god. I, I appreciate that. Wow. Yeah. And it it does get old. And usually it's coming from her too. Dylan, there's got to be a supercut on YouTube. <laughs> her just saying his like, name. But that alongside times. the uh, the Shia LaBeouf no cut. <laughs> They've taken God. the hobbits to Isengard. <laughs> to Isengard. The hobbits. The hobbits. That's Tell great... me, where is Gandalf? For I <laughs> much desire to, to speak to with him. him. <laughs> a Barrog of Morgoth. Four people what know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> They're like, this is the best episode ever. I love that <laughs> Hobbit song. So, so the little boy's seeing like visions of Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and his little like. Dinosaur toy, yeah, is Rex like protecting him. Rex, mm-hmm. which clever, a brontosaurus with sharp teeth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm down with that science because right, brontosauruses yeah. were they were leafy again. 1994, same year Jurassic Park came out. Uh, which I want to touch on for a second. So the most interesting thing in this movie yeah. is what we don't get to see, and it's this apparent battle between a brontosaurus and Freddy Krueger. Oh my god, doesn't that <laughs> I, my imagination was going wild too. I want to see what this fight was. Like, like, does the brontosaurus dream? Because that's how <laughs> Freddy hurts things, right? <laughs> so how did he hurt this stuffed animal? I don't know, but somewhere, like, it, I was hoping they would even do it like an animated sequence. So it's like, alright, yes! I know you guys don't have the budget to do a full-scale dinosaur, but how cool would that have been? Uh-huh. Because all we have left are his little stuffed animal. you got the four slashes with the, the, the stuffing coming uh-huh. out of the dinosaur, and you're like, wow, must have been cool. Right. But, but apparently he saved, the dinosaur saved uh, little Dylan. Saved Dylan twice. Yeah. Saved Dylan twice. And isn't Sacrificed Rex, himself. Isn't Rex the name of the, the dinosaur in Toy Story? He is. He is Rex. <laughs> so, Voiced by Wallace Shawn. Yeah, so can we not see that? <laughs> can we not see <laughs> the, be awesome. like, the brontosaurus with the voice of Wallace Shawn? Stay away from Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Never get involved in a land war with a brontosaurus. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so, so do you feel like mm. that Heather Langenkamp, the <laughs> character, <laughs> yes. do you feel like she jumped to the conclusion of, like, Freddy Krueger's becoming real a little too quickly. There, okay, so simultaneously, there's yes that she's figuring things out, uh, and then, but at the same time, very reluctant to uh, act on it. 
or or really she's not really trying to convince other people. I guess she's collecting the information on her own. But uh, yeah, she's she's already made the decision, and yet is still in this semi denial state where it's all going to be okay if we just don't go to sleep forever. <laughs> right. I don't think that's the solution. Like just like your character, I'm just going right. to hang out with all my actor friends from 1984. <laughs> right. We're going to do a little tour of which was cool, by the way. Uh huh. No, no, that was very cool. Uh, and I want to come back to that for okay. just a second. Uh, but I want to talk about like she comes home and. Okay. Uh, you know what? I need to rewind just a little bit more. So she, the, the earthquake thing is like a theme in this movie that doesn't quite pay off at all. I was, I was, I'm still not quite sure the symbolism that was going for her entire world is being rocked. Is being, yeah, being shaken. literally. But, but really, <laughs> like that's a little too. That's yeah. a little too on the nose. That's too well, on the head. And here's the thing: like there was a, a major earthquake in in LA in 1994, and I was like, okay, well maybe maybe that inspired Wes Craven. Maybe uh-huh. that's why he wrote it into his movie at the last minute. Okay. No, they filmed they, this before the earthquake happened, but then went back and shot B-roll of so what you're seeing of some of the destruction from the earthquake, actual actual destruction from the earthquake. Yeah. Which is fine if you play it into the story. You know, I, mm-hmm. that's, you know, and again, yeah, I think I think we we all all of us agree with that. Uh, that you can't introduce that, and that comes in really early where they talk about like, oh, it's just a quake. It's quakes. The quakes. Right. It's all the quakes. Okay, let that play into something. Let that be related to like the demon trying to break through to the other side, yeah. or or whatever that he comes through like the cracks of the, sure. of, the of the earthquake. Make it make sense in that respect, because if you don't, then you just have a plot element that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yes. You didn't need to have the earthquakes at all. Mm, I was it, waiting for the payoff. Yeah. And there wasn't really one. And I thought they were going somewhere with it when the nurse at the end, you know, because she's like, oh, that earthquake just woke me up. And she's like, I don't, there, that must have missed us. That was all you. <laughs> yeah. You laughing at the nurse. I'm, I'm laughing at all the nurses. There, there was so <laughs> much wrong in the hospital. Like this, this oh my God, the head nurse. Uh, whose name I don't know. No. But this woman made sure to milk every moment mm-hmm. that she had on screen. Like she definitely was. She graduated from the extras to like <laughs> to like a featured player, yeah, a day player. And mm-hmm. and that's like that's the whole thing. Like everybody says, like if you get any dialogue, you say it slowly and get as much time as you can on screen. Mm-hmm. And man, that was what this woman was doing. Yep. Like everything was so like dire and and serious, and I'm sorry, but you cannot keep and <laughs> right and as as new parents. At least this the stuff that Sarah and I talk about when we watch these movies. Now we're like, um, I'm sorry, you can't keep a mother from seeing her child. Yeah, like, you, they basically like fifty one fifty that kid. Yeah. in the third act uh, of the movie, right? It's like I don't think that's allowed. Uh-huh. She just decides. Nope, he's not going home tonight. Like you have to yeah, have you have to have permission reason. from the parents to mm-hmm. do that. Like he has to actually be like. Is seriously injured for yes. you to keep him overnight. This isn't a Hippocratic just, oath thing, right? You just brought him. She brought him in for a checkup, and you put him in intensive care. Right, yeah. Like, suddenly, and I don't think that was even the thing. Like she just said, like w- w- you have to keep him. You, he has to stay here. I'm afraid so. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that doesn't work. Then she comes <laughs> back to the hospital and finds out he's in intensive care. Uh-huh. When was someone going to call right. the remaining parent and say, "Excuse me, Miss Langenkamp, yep. we have Dylan here in the escalation. hospital. There's been an escalation, exactly, and uh, we we need your permission. We we need to put him in intensive care, and we well, wanted to let you know so you can get down here. Forget about since that. Since you live across the highway, because <laughs> right. you conveniently located, you, you tell us that little bit of information in the third fucking act, well, so that way we know mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so sloppy. There's going to be a highway chase scene coming up any minute now, but yeah." Yeah, but like, th- 
not only that, but the, like the nurses, they remove him from the room where she's sleeping. Where she's sleeping. We don't find out until she wakes up from that dream sequence. They need to, but give, it's like, they need to give us a code word. Whenever Dylan, they wanted Dylan to take our, our daughter out of the room, oh, really? they had to give us a code word. What was the code word? It, it, it changed every day. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that you but, knew. but there was one time when they took the baby out of the room. I think I've told you this story. Snuffleupagus. They took the, the baby out of the room. Sarah and I were half asleep, and then the nurse comes in. She's like, we're just going to take the baby to the nursery to go take some tests and, and uh-huh. stuff. And, they, and she rolled out, and I kind of... I went, baby, did she give you the code word? She's like, I don't think so. <gasps> and I got up. I Liam Neeson'd this shit. <laughs> like, I got <laughs> up, <laughs> and <laughs> I <laughs> ran <laughs> out in the hallway, and she was gone. No. She was gone. I ran down to the nurse's station, and I'm like, she took my baby. She took my child. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> and she's like, oh, excuse me, sir, sir, calm down. Who took your baby? The nurse, she came in. She didn't give oh, the code word. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? what, 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 what calm down. So, was it Peter McNichol <laughs> what <did laughs> pushing a uh, yeah. from Ghostbusters 2? <laughs> Vigo. Uh, no. So she's like, what, 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 I'm sorry, what nurse? What did she say? She, she was just uh, the, the nurse came in and she said she was going to take the baby to the nursery and she didn't give the code word. And she's like, sir, could you turn around? <laughs> and, and so I turn around and that's the window to the nursery. And she's like, it's right there. What do you, was it that nurse? And it was. And there's uh, my baby right there. I was like, but still, yeah. you could have been like a secret <laughs> shopper daddy where you get her fired because well, you didn't say the magic word. Uh, that was what I said as I walked away. I was like, but still, she didn't give the code word. <laughs> and so, I'm still right. <laughs> so the next day, though, karma kicked me in the ass. Uh-oh. Because uh, yeah, you don't I was, piss off the nurses I was going to get I was going to get breakfast for Sarah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm heading out. I'm leaving the, uh, the maternity ward. And I go to hit the exit door, and suddenly, like, it won't budge. And this, you hear this, like, silent alarm start going up. Bing, bing, what? bing, bing. And I could tell, like, that's an alarm. Like, it's it's going. It's not a phone ringing. This is a silent alarm. And suddenly, like, a bunch of nurses and stuff, like, start to kind of, like, coalesce suddenly, around you. They start to subtly, mm-hmm. like, surround me. What? Like, they're, they're staring me down. But they're not getting too close. They're not making it obvious that they're surrounding me. But sure. they're all kind of converging. Do. Blocking the exits. And because I am not an idiot, <laughs> like, I'm going, wow, these... Like these guys are getting into like formation for You're something. About to get tackled. And this guy goes over, like the 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 head nurse, the, and I dealt with him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He goes back to the desk and he's like, "Oh no, no it's room some something something. Uh, she's got her outside in the hallway right now." And he he just did something and it oh, turned off the alarm. But they had that. And they were in code red. And the nurse that I was yelling at at the desk, she comes over to me. She's like, "It's a good thing you didn't have a suitcase, or else I would have tackled you." Like, <laughs> did she look like she was in tackling form? Uh, yeah. Like she yeah, could have yeah, yeah. taken your yeah, ass she out. Yeah, she could have taken me out. <laughs> Uh, that's why I want. That's who you want protecting your baby. Though. Oh yeah, that no, that made good? me feel great, but it was humiliating for because like, <laughs> I'm like hitting the door and I was like, what, what is going on? And like suddenly everybody's looking at me like I'm fucking public enemy number one. But what were you doing wrong? I was I was at the exit door. Yeah. That and that whole thing is oh okay. Let me explain. I was like it, the you're babies, not allowed to leave. The babies ever? the babies all have like these old tracker things on their on their legs. Oh, uh, the mark of the beast. And gotcha. if they and if they ever yes exactly. <laughs> We're all being tagged. Oh my god. It's the future. You can't wait to be a dad. <laughs> the mark of the beast. I'm just saying. Uh, so they, the Bible, have, they have they have these little bracelets, the tracker bracelets, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to stay in the rooms. And if a child leaves a room, uh, you cannot open. The yeah, doors. Everything like, shuts down. Everything shuts down. Dang, your hospital was like from the future. Yeah, it was. This is awesome. It was a great hospital. Uh, and so what happened was somebody who was across the hall from us mm-hmm. actually had their baby. They were talking to somebody. They were talking to like one of their family that had come to visit. But they had the baby out in the hall. Mm-hmm. And I was going to exit the door at the same time. So I'm exiting down the hallway. It locks everything down. And so it down. locked everything down. 
That's good to know, yeah. though. Yeah, it was man, pretty, it's, it's pretty wild. It's a lot of precautions to take. Is that a is that a hot thing? Like yes, people just stealing babies? Yes, apparently, yes. Yeah. It's so fucking awful yeah. to do what with it's, them? It's, I don't know, dude. To apparently take them to a, a oh boiler room and and turn them into mass murderers or something. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the, what they're going to sell real estate. I don't know what that means. <laughs> to boiler? No, not the movie Boiler Room. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> like Freddy Krueger. Selling stocks he, like, and bonds. He hung out in the boiler room. That, that was his hideout. Room. Oh, not with Ben Affleck and, and Edward Vin Norton. Diesel. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, that sounds pretty cool. I'd let my baby get stolen to, to the boiler room. So what the fuck are we talking? Oh, we were talking about the hospital scene and all yes. the nurses, which they did. They do a little call. There's plenty of callbacks in this movie. They do so many callbacks to the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I but, probably missed half of them. Oh, did, yeah. yeah. Uh, th- this one though, in spe- uh, specifically, when she's walking to the ICU, mm-hmm. and the woman's like, "I'm sorry, this is a private or this is a secured area. You need to have a pass." And she looks at her. She's like, "Screw your pass." That was something she did in the first Nightmare on Elm Street when oh. she's in the high school and she's following this trail of blood. Her friend is like in a body bag and is uh. being dragged invisibly uh, and she's following this thing and she runs around a corner and runs into a girl and this girl's like, where's your hall pass? And she's like, screw your pass huh. and then w- runs off. And I, I like that. I like the little throwbacks and yeah. stuff. Uh, again, that's playing to the love letter to the fans aspect. Well, this entire movie was made for the fans. Obviously, it was a low budget. It was it it, it doubled its its budget, so it made its money back. But it was it is definitely what you would call a cult following yeah. at this point. It wasn't as popular as the Scream movies were afterwards. But I'm glad that uh, Wes Craven got got back on the horse with Scream because I love this. We we we're not talking about the Scream movies, <laughs> but um that that's where but I we kind are of celebrating the life and works of Wes Craven, and that's where I discovered him and kind of uh, f- uh, this n- newfound respect for him, and then went back and watched some of these older movies. So it, it's nice knowing that he is capable of, you know, thinking outside the box. This was again kind of groundbreaking for the genre, and I I like the idea. I got to admit, I was very confused though, having not watched the fr- I've never seen the third one. Because apparently she's in the third one as well. Yeah, she is. Uh, what which is my did favorite. Did I miss in the it's third my one? Favorite. Oh, of course, it's the one I have. The seen. best. The best of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. What should I have known before watching this one? Because all I know is what I knew about I her think, from the first. I one. I think you got everything that you needed out of the first one. Okay. Oh, but in the third, the second one has nothing to do really with Nancy. Like, yeah, the second she's not in it. Right. It's that one that doesn't like every horror franchise has that one movie mm-hmm. that doesn't quite fit the rest of the franchise. It's the Tokyo Drift of the. Yeah, or the Halloween three. I think, yeah, mm. where it's all about like season of the witch. It's all the masks and stuff, uh, yes. and it's not, it's not Mike Myers. Um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's it really doesn't have anything to do with Michael Myers. And it just, shouldn't be called. It was you like can't aliens, call it a Halloween movie. Aliens with like these like what? mind control masks. See, and that's the problem. I started tuning out all these movies when it was like Freddy's in space. And, <laughs> it was Jason. Know, Jason. Space. Jason's in space. I like that one though. Like, do you that really? One, they, they actually, at least they made that make sense. Uh, you know, Friday the Thirteenth for the most part did a pretty decent job of kind of staying true to their, you know, to their formula. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I get it. Yeah, it's you're, you're you're totally jumping the shark when Jason goes to Jason takes Manhattan. So cliche. Jason in space. Yeah, it's like what Thanks Killing did <laughs> <laughs> after one movie. Yep. Uh, no, so with uh, with with this Nightmare on Elm Street two was just about like. The kid who moved back, who moved into the house after Nancy and her uh, father moved away. Bad move. Yeah, it was horrible. But then the third one was about this, uh, this like uh, mental hospital, mm. and it, like all these kids that that were in uh, in there, and I guess like Nancy would do social work with them. Oh, and kind of her. because of Nancy, she kind of she kind of brought like the curse of Freddy Krueger. She brought Freddy Krueger into the lives now in the minds of these kids. Oh, thanks a lot, Nancy. And so he starts to systematically kind of take them down. Mm-hmm. And uh, This was like the, the dream police, right? Or the dream children? The dream police! 
please come on of... me in my head. <laughs> it was the Dream Warriors. Children of the Corn of the Dream. It was the uh, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. This, this, this was my favorite one because eventually they start like kind of teaching these kids like, hey, in your dreams you can control. You could be anything you want, Ooh. and you could use that. Use whatever it is that you want to be. Use those powers and fight Freddy. Let's take the fight to this guy. And so that's what they do, you know. And and it had a kick-ass like uh, soundtrack by Dokken, a theme song <laughs> oh, by Dokken. Uh, Maybe I do remember this. It one. was I loved it. I really liked it. There was this one chick who like got uh, she turned into like this confident, like she was really like into her like really reserved. Yeah. And like her dream self was this uh, this confident punk rocker chick with like knives and stuff. Cool. And so she has this like blade fight with Freddy Krueger. Oh. Uh, but you know she ends up. You know, she ends up falling to Freddy because he knows her vice. You know, she's a, a former uh, addict. And so, like, he pulls uh, up his glove and it's all syringes and stuff. No. And he's like, let's get high. And he injects her into the arm. Uh, and, like, you see, like, the little the track marks in her arm start, like, puckering up like baby birds and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, no, it's so creepy. But that's what I'm talking about. That's the imagery. Like, that's the stuff that, like, Wes Craven would conjure. That's cool. And, and, in fact, I don't even know if Wes Craven directed this one. You know, I was going to ask because at a certain point, and, and he kind of lamented this, that it that property got out of his control. Yeah. And I think he, he started, like, co-writing the scripts. And then I think that the one before this one he had maybe little to no involvement with yeah. aside from just the name. In fact, I don't I think Rennie Harlan directed the Dream Warriors or he directed Dream Master, hmm. which was the fourth That's one. That's the fourth one. Uh but yeah, no, you didn't really miss much. You didn't you okay. didn't miss much. You could go kind of like with Rocky and Rocky Balboa. Right. You could skip all of the sequels and just go with this first one and then sure. the last one and still get the full story. And they were kind enough to, Oh, go ahead and finish that thought. No, no, but just because they state in this movie, they're like, it's been 10 years since the first oh, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. You're all about it. Yeah, and, and they only make references to the first Nightmare on Elm Street. They don't make any, yes. there's no other homages to like, oh, to this or to that, or, or remember that part from the Dream Child? No, <laughs> no, it was Wes Craven yeah. doing an homages to his previous Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. work, not this other stuff. It's like Jurassic World to the aforementioned Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, and Which was convenient for me because like having not known, yeah, you're right. They they trot out everybody from that first movie. From you know, they, there's the guy who played her dad, who looks like he hasn't aged a fucking day. They could play brother and sister in this movie, and then they they bring. Of course, they've got Robert England playing himself, also playing Freddy Krueger in that scene where they're on TV, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and and then, also playing the demon Freddy, and playing the demon Freddy, which is nice. But I, I like what they did. They redone the makeup in this movie, they redid, right? They redid the did makeup. They, for they redid this? the claw. Yeah, it was just it was for just this for this one. movie because I yeah. I thought he looked very consistent otherwise. Yeah, but then I noticed, of course, when you see the Robert England playing the character of Freddy Krueger in that mo- in the yeah, scene when, where when they're they do doing, the talk show, mm-hmm. and then you see the new one, and he's like got a long leather coat on, or I don't know yeah, well, the, the, looks the burns, the makeup is just a little bit more. He looks more like more, a like a Cardassian from the Star Trek universe that's, than that's he does. True. It's kind of demonic, and there's more. And his claw mm-hmm. is actually like the blades coming out of his fingers, not a glove. Yeah, so, I like how that there's that opening sequence where you see, you don't see Freddy, but you see him like preparing the glove. And then taking an axe and like chopping his own arm off uh-huh. as preparation. For yeah, it. yeah. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty creepy. Uh, so no, it, it's funny that you bring up the uh, the funeral sequence because they also threw in like the guy who played her friend's boyfriend is there at the funeral as well. Yeah, and yeah, just like a quick shot. You just see a quick shot of him. 
They tried to bring Johnny Depp back, I was apparently. about to ask if you knew if they tried to bring Johnny Depp back for this. Yes. That he, dude will do four, five Pirates of the Caribbean movies, but he wouldn't come back for his to give Wes Craven just a little bit of love, the guy but, who gave him his first film role. But it had everything to do with a conflict, a, a, a scheduling conflict, and not any bad blood. And he regrets it. There was an interview where he said, I... I or, or, no, you know what it was? Wes Craven didn't think he could get him. That's what it was. He had gotten too big and didn't even bother asking him. And then wow. uh, Johnny Depp said afterwards, I wish he would have asked me. I would have done it in a heartbeat. Man. I oh, know. That would have been nice. That would have been a nice Well, when George format. Lucas releases the, <laughs> the special edition, <laughs> the special edition with a little superimposed. special edition, Mike Goiter and I decided to rewrite <laughs> this. We put Jar Jar Binks in, and uh. he named Freddy Krueger the head chancellor of the republic. <laughs> It's been the first. Was the um her doorbell the NBC theme? <laughs> doom, doom, doom. <laughs> like was that was that deliberate? Do you I think? No, I didn't notice that. You didn't notice that? That no. was her doorbell. That was her doorbell sound. There's gotta be there's gotta be some some reason behind that. Some little inside joke that we don't know. Why is she keeping the creepy letters that are being mailed to her? That's another thing too. Yeah, she's collecting them in this drawer. So she's getting letters and uh what are, what are they they look like the pages of the Bible or something. But yeah. the, but there's burned out capital letters mm-hmm. and she's gotten uh, about a dozen or so of them now yeah. so time to throw it in the old junk drawer next to the chinese <laughs> menu and the right? pizza delivery coupons she's kept all of them <laughs> really and then what did they say the kid put them together and it just said answer the phone yeah yeah that that's is, a long is a long con <laughs> thank you that yeah. is the long game right there for not much of an effect answer the fo- like what if she threw out some of them like and mm-hmm. where's where's he where's this demon mailing these letters from exactly There's, i'd like <laughs> to see the, the cutting room where it's like you know he, he's at the post office <laughs> and he's, he's fumbling because he's right-handed and that's his claw hand so he <laughs> yes. can't he can't spell right <laughs> looks like a 12 year old he's got his tongue out and stuff he's you know trying <laughs> So hard, twenty six hundred, and then he goes, he goes up to the counter because you know he doesn't just go buy stamps. He goes up to the <laughs> right. counter. He's like, "How you doing, Martha? <laughs> How much for a book for four twenty five? How about forever stamps? Do you yeah. have any of those? They were just thirty one cents last <laughs> week. Jesus, you guys keep breaking. It's, it's oh, all right. Give me a book of the two and, cent uh, stamps and uh, do you, and give me some of the Marilyn Monroe's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll it's, see it's, you next week, it's, Martha. It's not for me. It's for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Nightmare on Elm Street movie I want to see. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Heather Langenkamp, did you know, fifty-one years old now? Well, ooh. She's fifty-one. Okay. I mean, granted, we saw her <laughs> at thirty-one. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that was that was twenty years ago. About Sounds twenty about years right. ago, that movie. So um, right now, she's she's a makeup artist. Huh. I don't I don't know if I got to finish the story. Probably not. She was a <laughs> sure I cut you she, off. She's a makeup artist now, and she's yeah, cool worked story. on the J.J. So, Abrams movies, the J.J. Abrams Star Wars Star Trek movies. Interesting. Yeah, she was actually a character in Into Darkness, uh, some character named Motto that she wore like a complete face mask. Oh, okay. So you couldn't see what she looked like, but uh, I found that kind of kind that of that is wild. interesting. I, I like that because yeah, we said all right, she's not. I'm sure she's a she's a pleasant person. This movie obviously kickstarted her career, and I I like that. I don't know whether by her own recognition or maybe some gentle prodding, some from friends and family, that uh, maybe not your strong suit. Maybe let's nurture the makeup side of the industry uh-huh. and uh, and see how you are off the screen because you're probably not going to have an Angelina Jolie-like <laughs> dash to stardom. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's true. quit while you're ahead and get those those checks that Freddie's mailing you in the mail. So Heather Langenkamp, mm-hmm. not exactly the strongest actress. No. Uh, the not person. bad, but... <laughs> Heather Langenkamp, the character... Um, worst mother ever. <laughs> worst. <laughs> There's a case to be made. C- c- can we say that she's probably the worst mother ever? Uh, the, her child's having horrible nightmares, and the the fairy tale she decides to read him right. is the one about 
uh, a bunch of kids who were about to get <laughs> eaten by a witch. Yeah. And I get it. Insensitive. They, they, they build that up at the end. They end up using that. That's their device. The earthquakes don't come back, but the Hansel and Gretel story definitely gets played out. That was fun. Uh, also, really, she couldn't watch the fucking kid when they're on the playground? She couldn't keep an eye on this fucking child? Yeah, she's got to talk to her old buddy, her old uh, co-star, uh-huh. about uh, the, the feelings. She's having these funny feelings. Yeah. She can't sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, It's a little bit funny, to that the... feeling inside. <laughs> it's not one you can easily hide. Not even from in your dreams. Mm. Only in my dreams. Is that how the rest of that song as goes? As real as it may seem. There you go. There you go. I think that was Debbie Gibson. Debbie Gibson. Yeah. I, yeah. Went, I, went, I went from Elton John to Debbie. <laughs> Sir oh. Elton to Lady Lady Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's been lady knighted, right? That works. Is that's that, a, is that's that a happen? thing. That's a thing. No? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting the head cock <laughs> from both of you. <laughs> I guess that isn't a thing. No, but, so this child climbs up on top... Kind of like what we were talking about on the Look Who's Talking episode. Yep. Like, a lot of horrible mothers this summer in the editing l- bay. Well, not just that, but you, you've you spent time on a playground growing up, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And if you were, doing, an adult. you were doing something... <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but only within a 300-yard radius. Joel, Joel Burnson and Jared from Subway. Oh, uh, too soon. <laughs> so... You've been on a playground where mm-hmm. you've probably where you've been in a situation where your life may have been in danger. You may have been doing something that might have endangered yourself or someone else. Many times. And I'm sure that maybe you heard from another parent, not yours. Right. Like, hey, 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 yeah. hey, come here. No, 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 no. That's not. You're going to mm-hmm. hurt yourself. Who's, but, whose no, no, child is whose this? Whose child Hello, is this? Anybody? Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, no, nobody. There's like, a there's shot. Nobody. There's a shot of like a mother like collecting her children and backing away, but she's yeah. really being mum about <laughs> the situation that's happening. Right. And the impending doom. As as Dylan is up on top of this rocket ship uh, mm-hmm. jungle gym and like trying to reach for the sky, falls off. Heather Langenkamp pulls this like Dude. fucking a, a t- a like Jason Whitten. Jerry Rice man. Or yeah. That. Uh, <laughs> and just like and catch it. Was we we, we both went the Cowboys. We, we uh, I didn't. Jerry, you say? Jerry Rice? Oh, oh, my bad. I'm thinking, whatever. <laughs> I, I got you. You were thinking Jerry Jones? I was thinking Jerry Jones. <laughs> he doesn't catch shit. It's football related. He catches dollars. Yeah, he does. Ha <laughs> ha, cash money. Why don't y'all shit on my face in the women's bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> so so she catches it. We freeze-framed it. It was like this, whoever she caught was like six foot. <laughs> Linebacker. Like it, was, it, it was like you see like it's her and there's a, someone dressed like the kid but the kid, this person is like is doubled clearly, in mass. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so she catches him, uh. and he's like, "God wouldn't take me." Uh, yeah, what is all God that? God wouldn't take me. That's all. That suddenly, suddenly gets really fucking dark. Like that is a dark line to put into a script for a child. For the to child say. to play, this child has to do a lot of things that I'm sure scarred him emotionally yeah. throughout the rest of his life. Because she, he asks, he's like, "Where's daddy?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "He's in heaven with God." Well, do we have to be dead to see God? And yeah. she's like, I don't think so. Why does God let bad things happen? happen? I don't know. Cry. <laughs> and so he climbs up on that jungle gym, and he almost kills himself, and his line is, God wouldn't take me. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I feel like that's a line that should be in a much more serious, a much more yeah, right? uh, a heavy movie. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I'm with you. It's like, either go, if you're going to have like some some heavy deaths and some child psychology going on, just go go all in it. You know, devote, if you're trying to reinvent this franchise 
uh-huh. you know, maybe turn it on to a new audience. Don't make it so much of a slasher flick. I'll tell you what, a movie that this movie reminded me of, did you see The Baba Duke came out a couple years yes. ago? Yeah, Baba Duke's great. The, somebody must have loved this movie because uh-huh. there's a lot of parallels. In fact, the yeah. scene you just talked about, there's the kid, the same kid. Guys, if you haven't seen The Baba Duke, check it out. It's probably yeah, the great. do yourself a favor and Best see Best horror film. movie I yeah. saw, was that? Film. 14? The, I can't say the, the word. I can't say the word film. It was last year, right? It was last it's year. It's on yeah. DVD, and actually, I want to say even Netflix has it now. Check it out. Um, they sure do. Yeah, but it's, it's on it's, Duke is this movie done right yeah. for this for today's audience. Oh, yeah. A no. lot of parallels. Same it's it's terrifying, man. It's a scary movie. Uh, all right. The... Um, the the uh, where, where, where was I going to go with this? Oh, mm. uh, no, I wanted to touch on that because this movie did have hints of, you know, kind of differentiating itself from the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise mm-hmm. by kind of being a little bit darker, a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I liked where they were going with it. I thought Freddy was actually a really scary and imposing force. Until the end, when we suddenly get okay. to like yep. traditional Freddy territory, yep. where she goes through like this waterfall and it's his face, and mm-hmm. he goes like, I feel like, I feel like Wes Craven just kind of phoned in the last like the the third act of this. Well, movie. bless his heart, but like all of all of his movies, I feel like have to end on some big action sequence, yeah. in a in a in a large like warehouse or an environment, and there's prosthetics involved uh-huh. and fire. And you've got all of the elements, yeah, and it's like eh, it can it can be as simple as again talking about the Baba Duke. The climax of that movie is in somebody's bedroom. Yeah, it's really... And there's it's, like a it's, dark closet. Uh, for for lack of a better term, it's very understated. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Well, uh, uh, but so satisfying. And, yeah, no, it really is. And But this movie, uh, you know, she she goes into this the nightmare world and she's having this weird fight with Freddy and then Freddy chases the kid and the kid finds an oven and like goes into the oven and Freddy's trying to grab him. And, you know, and you see it coming a mile away, the like Hansel and Gretel parallel. You're like, all right, he's going to get thrown into the oven. He's going to get killed. Fan fucking tastic. <laughs> but then he like explodes. <laughs> like there's an explosion. Uh, like action stars walking away from the fucking explosion. <laughs> Slow-mo. Uh, and, and they exit the, the dream world. To find a script from Wes Craven. Yeah. In, by the way, look what came for you. In the child's bedroom, <laughs> they find a, a script from Wes Craven. You've just survived this demonic ordeal, mm-hmm. and she starts just reading him the script. Yep. Like that's that's how we end the movie. Here's what we just lived. We're going to read the script that we've just lived through, and it's going to be terrifying and traumatic. Uh, so here, let me tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, I thought the concept of bringing it into the real world having these people play themselves yeah uh, but in this hyper exaggerated kind of version of what they could be with Freddy trying to break through to the other side mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting I agree but I thought that it was a, ultimately it was an opportunity squandered uh, and it especially doesn't it doesn't stand the test of time when you go back and you watch it and you're like oh wow this is really cheesy this dialogue is really horrible Ooh, yeah. uh, this is definitely not one of Wes Craven's best scripts it's one of his best ideas yeah, yes. but it's not one of his best scripts which which is interesting because he's in the movie as well yeah. playing himself uh-huh. she goes to visit him and he really is is the, the character that lays out the rules here's what's going on uh-huh. he's this demon but he demon. does it so late it happens yes. so late in the film I agree uh, it had. I really. I wish that it would have. But then that would have required her to kind of catch on a little bit faster. Yeah, even I though it was so. already quick, it would have required her to catch on faster about like the whole Freddy thing. And they, he tried to pepper it with like little breadcrumbs in there where Robert Englund's like, I asked him how far he was in the script, right. and he said, I'm as far as Dylan, 
Dylan reaching for God or something like that. And that's your first hint that like, oh, the script that he's writing Mm -hmm. is what we've been seeing. It's what's been going on, which I love. I love that whole concept of like, oh, there's a character and everything he writes starts to come true. And so that brings me to this point. Okay, I think this movie would have been a lot more interesting if Wes Craven was the main character. Oh, ooh, ooh, oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And it's like he's, he's working on the script and he starts to realize like the things he's writing are starting to come true. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That would have been a nice way to discover. Uh-huh. And there've been a couple of um um Stranger Than Fiction. You see that a couple yes. of years ago yep. with yep. Uh, Will Ferrell. Uh-huh. And uh well, and that, Emma Thompson. It took a very comedic uh, approach to that same kind of concept, but uh-huh. I don't think I've have we done Surely there that idea has been used there's in, kind of, in the but it does, there are no new ideas nah, you know it's just true. it's just how you present it and yeah. i feel like God, been fun. i feel like west craven should have been our main character in this movie and i know that probably yeah. would have been really tough i was gonna say and it would have probably looked very like self uh right? aggrandizing it's it, it already feels a little bit like that that, yeah. he, that he has the main scene that where he lays out the plot although it's his but property. It's, it's his can. property. It's a lot like Stephen King in the Dark Tower books. At some point, when you get about five books into the series, Stephen King becomes a character in this series. Oh, really? And you find out that like there's there's one point where our heroes, Roland the Gunslinger and like Eddie Dean, they have to protect Stephen King because they find out that. If he dies, their story ends. Oh, cool. Like, they won't survive, which is fucking cool. Like, like that's that. really neat. But it also, there is, a, there is a little bit of ego, you know, that's kind of right. apparent in that, where you're like, oh, wow, you're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of, it's very self-aggrandizing. You Again, can see him, like, sitting in the pitch meeting to the studio, and like, all right, well, who's going to play you, Wes? Well, me, of course. Well, me, I'm yeah. going to, I'm perfect. Look uh-huh. at me, my act, acting but I don't think I would have minded in this case. No. I think that it would have served the story better than... Yes. Because the Heather Langenkamp character, the actress, is not very strong, mm-hmm. and thus the character wasn't very strong. Yeah. But I feel like Wes Craven, it would have made sense for us to be seeing this happen through Wes Craven's eyes because he is the one that's affecting change yeah. in this world. Tall order to star in your movie that you also wrote and are directing and not maybe have a... Kevin a, an Smith actor does it. background. Uh, ben Affleck Exhibit does it. A, thank you. Yeah. Ben Affleck's done it. Ben Affleck is a much more accomplished. <laughs> well, that's He's what an I'm actor saying. first and a director uh, second. But I'm saying people have pulled it true, off. True, true. I know, but that yeah, it's a big risk to uh he probably had enough trouble getting this movie off the ground to begin with. Getting for any, eight, for any eight budget. mil? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If that's all he could scrounge together, considering you uh you have a a, a popular brand yeah. people know. But no, I, I, I like the idea. I like the idea that it, it's the movies themselves mm-hmm. that have been, th- th- that now this demon lives and as long as the story is being told and he's- It keeps him this character, that's what keeps him around. But now that the movies are dying off, it's kind of a uh, an indictment of- of the of, of the horror the franchise, of the and horror the studios for us to, not yeah. you know we're, we've brought Freddie back by not going to see the movies is kind of the underlying message. Yeah, well, and and I think that it's also kind of a, uh, I think it's a, a little bit of a backhanded slap to what other people did with his product. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of see I see a little bit of that too, where it's uh, a little self serving, uh, but I. Again, I, I really dig the concept. I just wish it was uh, it was executed in a better way. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other notes about this? Oh, let's see. Baba Duke. I like there was a couple little um, little things that I noticed where he was peppering in some some foreshadowing. Uh-huh. There's a kid on a bike that shows up in the background of a couple of scenes, and he's wearing like the Freddy shirt. Yes. Did you notice uh-huh, that? Yeah. He's in the funeral scene, uh-huh. and then like in the park, the aforementioned scene where uh, little Dylan crawls up to uh-huh. try to touch God. Like the hand of David, 
the kid rides his bike like right through the frame, and yeah. I'm like, "Ooh, what's happening?" Like I, th- I thought, I thought they were going to do more with that, uh-uh. but I think it was just there to give you that sense it's, of it's the Coppola orange. Doom. Mm, mm. It, it's like the Coppola orange of this movie. Uh, where if nobody knows what I'm nice talking analogy. about, no, yeah. watch a Coppola film. <laughs> watch <laughs> The Godfather, guys. Uh, every time you see somebody grab an orange, something bad's about to fucking happen. <laughs> My last note that I have, speaking of food and mouths and tongues, uh-huh. Wes Craven is obsessed with tongues. Yes, he is. He brings back the thing that, because that happened in the, the first yeah, movie, the right? Yeah, through the phone. As if I needed another reason not to use a corded phone in the year 2015. <laughs> like, I'm afraid of being licked by <laughs> tongue protruding. And then at the end, during that big Joel's uh, climax, not being licked. Not a, well, it depends on who's doing the licking. Hmm. <laughs> I'm talking animals. <laughs> um, no, but uh, he uses his tongue at the end and is like choking out what's her name, like yeah. it's wrapped around her, yes. and you see it start to go down her shirt. And then they totally do this like Looney Tunes thing where the little boy's trying to stab his tongue yeah, onto yep. the ground, and it's moving back and forth. It's trying to dodge. <laughs> yes. He's That's doing what I'm the talking alien. about. Where yeah. it, it was serious. This movie's like yep. serious the whole way. Yep. And then we get to that third act, and suddenly Freddy's become a fucking cartoon character, which is too bad because they've already gone through the trouble to revamp his look. He's 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 more menacing now. He look. He doesn't look like Freddy from the movies. Yeah. You've known. He looks like an actual Freddy come to life. Yeah. Uh, but no, still, still getting doused with fire and flammable liquids. That's, and that's the way you get rid of him. That's I the way you kill so. Freddy. I guess so. Fight fire with fire. Uh, all right. So, what did Wes Craven's new nightmare do right? Well, I don't want to belabor the topic, but the concept. It's a cool concept. Yeah. That uh, then. I, so this was almost like the genesis of. The scream concept, where yes. we're going to take everything you know and flip it on its head and reinvent. Uh-huh. Th- this was without this movie. I don't think Wes Craven would have graduated to the Scream franchise, right? Uh, and I absolutely agree with you. Obviously, oh. uh, I've echoed that probably two or three times now in this in the course of this podcast. The concept was amazing. It's really great. I yeah. think that it's it takes a special kind of talent to be able to take a step back from a property that's been established and had been going for ten years, and to take a step back from it and go, okay. How can I do this different? Right. You know, how can I, for lack of a better term, how can I reinvent the wheel here? Mm-hmm. And I think he he came so close to truly succeeding at it. Uh, what we got was still an entertaining movie, but it was bad. It, yeah. it, it was a bad flick. Yeah. Uh, what did Wes Craven's new nightmare do bad? Ooh, uh, to put too fine a point on it, but yeah, it's the acting, man. It's it's. I, I like that you're bringing back the actors from your '84 movie to reprise their roles as their actual selves. The bad news is you're bringing back your actors from the 80s to reprise them. And there's a reason why I didn't we yeah, really have Why we seen don't them. know who she is. Yeah. yeah. And and I know the kid is a newcomer, but I'm sorry, he's no Haley Joel Osment. And you know what though? Good for Heather Langenkamp, mm-hmm. especially in like the the scene with the limo driver, which we haven't even really touched on the weird limo driver. So odd. I was waiting for that to come around Nothing again. Nothing came of that. Mm-hmm. Uh and so I think good for her though cuz there's the the part where he's like, you know, yeah, I'm driving a star around. And she's like, well, I'm hardly a star. Mm. All right. You know, that's the kind of line I don't think you could give Bruce Willis. Like Bruce Willis in a meta movie, like in Ocean's 12, I think it was. There you go. I don't think you'd ever be able to get him to say, like, well, I'm not really much of a star. Mm. Like, I feel like someone like that has too much of an ego to say a line like that. So good for her to to go ahead and say that. Um, Okay. I see that the acting, I, I agree with you that acting is a bad part of this film. But what I think this movie did wrong was the writing. Ooh. I think that, uh, again, like I said, the concept was great. But I think that Wes Craven's dialogue and, mm, yeah. and, and I mean, just down to like the simple uh, uh, 
like act format of this movie was sloppy and jumbled. Like there are things that are happening in this movie that don't fit a, a traditional structure. Uh, and and you don't always have to to follow the rules of traditional sure. structure. But when you're not when you're not following any kind of flow or structure of a story, uh, it, it starts to get confusing and disorienting for the for the viewer. Uh, and it starts to get uh, it, it turns it, it could turn somebody off if they're expecting some kind of a flow to a story or for for you to stick to certain rules. And like the rules got thrown out the fucking window. <laughs> I mean, there there are parts where like the little boy Dylan is trying to cross a highway and like is getting lifted up by Freddy right, in the all clouds. All of a sudden, yeah. And like, okay, fucking, so he can take metaphysical form at any moment, at any time he wants. Then why right? is we should he should all be dead? Right. Like, like, I mean, he no... could just like become a giant hand, yeah. like in Cabin yeah. in the Woods, and just right? slam down on everybody. Yeah, stay up marshmallow man. And not and not just that, but then also you know you're you're introducing this concept that everybody driving on this road are they're the dumbest motorists in the world <laughs> like, yes. they're all psychotic <laughs> the moment you see a child next to a highway yeah 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 you slow down everyone slows down everybody stops a mile away. everybody should be stopped mm -hmm. but instead this little child is crossing the highway and people are still driving Swerving. and the mother is dri is running out into the road and she's still avoiding cars how about which, those green screen effects by the way yeah i was about to say <laughs> some of the worst green screen she looks like she's ballet dancing the way she's trying to dodge those cars like she's uh -huh. pirouetting and spinning around and i'm like oh, she you don't takes look like you're she takes a fucking hit from a car. Yeah. Hard, yep. man. And uh, narrowly gets being decapitated by a, a, a tanker truck that's flying through the air. Yeah. Thanks again, Freddie. That moment was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. We didn't even, we didn't need that. Took me we could have just had Dylan, Dylan's missing. We need to find him and then end up at the house. This, this reeks of, of the studio or someone with the studio going, it's too boring. We need, we need so something. We, we need, need something, something for the trailer. We need That's what we need. Yeah, we, we need, need something, something for the fast trailer. moving for the trailer. And, and and that was the whole, like, the third act. That's what I'm saying. Like, the third act of this movie was so, it, it, it lacked any kind of satisfaction for me. Yeah, where I, I really, agree. I liked the build for the most part, and I really loved when she's at the house and this is after the, the, the highway thing. Mm. She's at the house and John Saxon's there mm. and suddenly he becomes the father character from the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. And he's like, why are you calling me John? I dug that. I yeah. dug that transition. But again, like that was just a little small glimpse of like brilliance. Mm -hmm. And then it just went into typical territory. So and yeah. so ultimately, I've got to throw that on the writing of this movie, like the, the physical, mm. actual script of the movie, the thing that she's flipping through at the end of the film, right. <laughs> burn that. <laughs> Put that in the stove with uh, Freddy and take care of it. Rest in peace, Wes Craven. That's right. West, uh, West, in, West, West in, in peace. peace. Uh, <laughs> Wabbit season. <laughs> uh, all right, so if we were going to remake Wes Craven's new nightmare today, sure. uh, how would we do that? Well, I'm going to... If don't say the word ping pong, I will kick you in the nuts. <laughs> oh, good, because I'm just going to power through. All right. Uh, we haven't even really talked about the babysitter. There's a whole babysitter Julie. character. Julie. Who, did who, you catch uh, how the nurse pronounced her name? What'd she say? Jolie. Really? Yes. Interesting. She's like, he, it's all right. He's with Jolie. <laughs> I like, did not catch that. Huh? <laughs> odd, considering that's half of my name right there, or yeah. that half is my name. Aww. It's been a long day. Um, 
But anyway, I did recast the babysitter because she comes to a um, an untimely demise. She mm-hmm. gets drug. You know what? Reminiscent of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven loves that uh, that rotating, the rotating set, set where it's like you know the cameras. It's like Inception, and everything's kind of going upside down, and blood is going up the walls, <laughs> and she's being dragged. Up I want to see that on like as a pull quote on the DVD for <laughs> Wes Craven's new Nightmare. <laughs> it's like it's like Inception. <laughs> Joel Bernstein, the editing day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. You need a babysitter. You need a cute little bubbly blonde. Uh, and in my in my version, how about Hayden Panettiere from Heroes uh, and uh, Nashville as the okay. as the babysitter? Yeah, who gets stabbed to death? All right, I like her. Uh, the nurse, the aforementioned. Oh my god, the, you, you recast the nurse? Well, because she plays a fairly big role there. Like she's she is for the, a while there the antagonist, played by Andre Brown. She's true. <laughs> Are you in good hands? Peralta. That's not I know the it's same not, I, guy. I know I did that on purpose because I did that exact same thing last week. Um, no, but how about uh, Angela Bassett like, as like, that nurse? There's not enough Angela Bassett on my TV screen. Put like, her kid to sleep. And, she's uh, so good. We're going to keep your kid overnight. No, you cannot take your kid home. <laughs> Big. Big wheels keep on turning. Woo! Dylan. Little uh, little kid. His name's Dylan, by D- the way. Dylan. Dylan. were unfair. Um, D- I've I've recast using this kid before. He's get, he's he's growing up. Uh, he was in Tomorrowland, but I know him from Looper, where he played the little uh, baby, oh, the Rainmaker, as a child. The movie's so good. Oh, it's a fantastic film, and that kid is great in it uh, because he has to do some creepy like things like this. Well, he makes people explode in that yeah. movie, uh, and so uh, he could he could handle the material in this film as well. Uh, Chase. What's that kid's name? Oh, oh, sorry. His name is Pierce Gagnon. Okay, I didn't want to use his name because <laughs> he's the kid from Looper. Uh, Chase, who is the husband of Heather, whatever. Cut to the chase. Oh, that was the name. I know of his that was company. the name of his his, his effects so company. So bad. Please. Again, writing. You know what? Let me let me save Chase because there's a pair there. Uh, so I have to jump right to Freddie. Which uh, could go a couple different ways. I wrote three names names down, and I won't say them yet because you might have one of them. Okay. Uh, but we go to this guy a lot because he's creepy. Uh, how about Cillian? Is it Cillian or Killian? Killian it's Murphy. Killian Murphy. Who did a Wes Craven movie? He did uh, no. Re- uh, Red Eye. Oh, that is a Wes Craven with Rachel movie. McAdams. Rachel McAdams on the plane. So good. I, is it really? Yeah, it's. Uh, have you not remember, seen it? I don't remember hearing good things. About oh it wow, no, I, I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Fuck, we should have done that movie for this it, again, though. though. It like with a, with this movie, it had it was a great build, mm-hmm. and then it had a third act that just didn't quite live up to the rest of the movie. That's too bad. Yeah, when you set up a question and the answer isn't as interesting as the question. Yeah, looking at you, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> um, but Killian Murphy as Freddy. I, I think, like that. Yeah, he'd be. Freaky. Uh, okay, so Chase, I was holding off on because it kind of goes with a pair because my Chase is going to be played by Ben Affleck uh, and in the Heather Lingenkamp. That's right, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. As Heather Lingenkamp. <laughs> no, I'm going, uh, you're probably, probably going to be hard to get these two in a movie together seeing as how they've filed papers, but uh, oh, Jennifer Garner. I couldn't believe that when they I know, that, it's but... so sad. It's like everything I thought I knew. Yeah. It's a lie. It's a if lie. these two kids can't make it, who can, Joe? Who can? <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> Jennifer Garner as the Heather Lingenkamp character. Love that. And that's my recast. That's your recasting. Okay. okay. Uh, I recast the priest at Chase's funeral. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're chiding me for going deep <laughs> know, cut, right? you motherfucker. Uh, I, uh, I recast him with Andy Dick. <laughs> <laughs> you made me laugh fart just now. Did you hear that? Uh, the John Saxon character. Who uh, who is Heather Langenkamp's father in the first Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recast with David Cross. 
<laughs> um, is this a comedy now that you're? Uh, maybe. maybe. Uh, the uh, the Julie character, Julie. The, the 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 babysitter, uh, the babysitter, Kristen Bell. Uh huh. The uh, the Chase character, mm. played by Elijah Wood. Ooh, interesting. He- Heather Langenkamp, played by Kristen Dunst. Oh, great casting! Well, because what I wanted to do with that is that Kirsten Dunst got her start in Interview with the Vampire. That's and right. So she kind of had a horror horror beginnings right. as a small child, and now bring her back around to do oh, like a, a kind of thing. Smart. I tried to do that. I couldn't think of any child actors. Nah. But that's brilliant. It was it was tough. That's brilliant, Ari. Uh, I don't know which one of these two I want to do first. Uh, oh, did you have a director for you? I do have a director. It was uh, I talked about the Babadook. I think the director of that film, Jennifer yeah. Kent, who's the yes. Australian, first-time director. Very and I'd good. like to see her do this material. So good. Uh, all right. So I guess I'll go with Wes Craven. The part of Wes Craven will be played by John Waters. <laughs> <laughs> Robert England uh, slash Freddie yeah. played by Bill Nighy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, all of this directed by Michel Gondry. Ooh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it's real, be a real mind fuck. It'd be, yeah, a very artistic, a very artistic version of, uh, of Nightmare on Elm Street. That could be fun. So if you have any thoughts about uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare, uh, if we didn't mention something that you've been screaming at the podcast, guys, you didn't mention this, uh, or if you had something to say about a recasting or how would you recast this movie, let mm. us know. Again, go to Facebook in the search bar. Uh, just type in the editing bay, find the one with the bleeding eyes, and talk back to us. And uh, and let us know what you think. If you have a movie that you want us to talk about, we've been getting a few suggestions yeah. uh, these last couple weeks. And uh, and they're excellent suggestions, by the way. Uh, we're looking forward to tackling those. So if you have any, though, you can write us at the, uh, the Editing Bay Facebook page. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It is editingbay.com. Punch that into your old browser, bookmark it. Uh, you're going to find all things Editing Bay. Any Anytime you're asking yourself, oh, I wonder how to get to the Facebook page. I wonder what their Twitter handle is. Twitter handle, by the way, is at the Editing Bay. But if you went to the editingbay.com, oh, if you went to editingbay.com, <laughs> fuck, you would already know what it is. So editingbay.com, check it out there. We also have swag there. We have our uh, T-shirt from last year that you can still purchase. Uh, or if you uh, write a review, I'm, I'm still putting that out there. Put a review on uh, on iTunes. And in fact, I think we already had one. I have to verify it. Uh, so we'll find out next week. Yeah. This all came very suddenly, but uh, we may have a free T-shirt heading somebody's way. Oh, nice! So we have another review. We also, yeah. By the way, thanks, guys, because we've got a lot of uh, Twitter followers and a lot of new uh, Facebook likes. So yes. thanks for checking us out. We uh, we do love that. Uh, on on the topic of uh, of giveaways, we did a movie uh, what a, a week or so ago, uh, two weeks ago, I think, at this point, mm-hmm. called uh, called uh, Toy Soldiers. Oh yes, starring Sean Astin. Right. We've got a uh, an autographed photo. What from Sean Astin? No way. That we're going to be giving away. Contest uh, is going to be coming up soon. I'll we're take that. Probably do like a like drive or that's a or great try idea. to get some some new uh, some new reviews Ooh. and ratings and stuff on the uh, on the old podcasting app. What is it? Uh, it's it's a photo of him as Sam Gamgee <gasps> and it's autographed. No way. Yeah. Where did you get? it? I assume you got it. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, it was, cool. Is yeah. I I acquired it. Okay. Through, through certain channels. What did you have to do? To I get have this? a set of particular scripts. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, uh, we'll we'll have some details for you coming up on that. But yeah, Toy Soldier, Sean Astin. Cool. Uh, a little photograph of him, autographed. Um, could be yours. So, if you could, we did just mention this. If you go to our the podcasting app, if you get us on your Apple device, go to the podcasting app and uh, and leave us a rating and uh, and review. All you gotta do is just. Throw the editing bay, or Next Wave Radio, rather. Yeah. Throw Next Wave Radio in your search bar. Uh, hit enter. That's going to bring up all of our shows. Uh, tap on the editing bay, and that center section, you'll see a little button that says review. 
uh, and click on that, and then you can leave your rating. Five-star ratings, fantastic. And, uh, and you know, write us a review. Tell us what you think about the show uh, and, and why other people should listen and let your friends know all about us so that they can listen. And if you don't have an Apple device, if you have an Android, uh, you can go ahead and get us on the Podcast Republic and Podcast Addict apps. Uh, that's how you can search the iTunes library using those those applications, mm-hmm. and uh, and we appreciate all of your support right. in in that realm. Uh, all right, so next week, yeah, going to try to get back on track with a uh, movie that Joel can't wait to see. I was going to say, does it now that he Wes Craven's died and we had to postpone? Does that mean we have to go back to it? Yeah, we do. Oh, Hi, yo, Silver. It's We're gonna so be doing long. The lo- yeah, that's what two I, and a half hours. No, no woman's ever said that. To me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Starring Army Hammer, Johnny Depp. We get some Johnny Depp, the the, yeah, the, yeah. the Nightmare on Elm Street connection. I guess uh, Johnny Depp, William Fickner. Uh, oh, it's, it's uh, I'm turned around. It's going to be there. You go, Barry Pepper. <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got some fun stuff ahead of us because I think that this movie. You may not love this movie. But I think there's going to be some moments of this movie that you're going to enjoy. I think there's going to be some aspects. I think you you're know? going to come in. You're going to be like. Uh, that was way long. Uh, I I skipped through most of it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy what I saw. I always watch all the films. <laughs> so yeah, the Lone Ranger. So if you want to follow along with us for next week, go ahead and make sure you uh, you watch the Lone Ranger before then. Uh, and yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, maybe take a listen to some of our other next wave shows. We got yeah. MVP with Matthew and Danny. They talk about sports and sports entertainment. Uh, they have a big uh, SummerSlam and NXT. Uh, Brooklyn Takeover. They kind of disseminate all that in this this past week's episode. And we got Jeff and Sam recording every Tuesday on my comic life. Um, what do you do? You guys have anything for this week, dude? Wes Craven died. <laughs> oh, so you'll be hearing that's, all about that's that. That's a great topic. That's a good topic to talk about. That, that's excellent. <laughs> Can't West, wait to hear what they have to say. Wes Craven dies. They're going to talk about that on my comic life this week. Uh, Jeff and Sam. <laughs> Look at him. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> he's like, I made a. He's funny. had that one. He's had that one like chambered, chambered for the entire episode. <laughs> he's like, that motherfucker's going to ask me what and we're going to. You be know talking what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Wes Craven, motherfucker. So pew pew pew. <laughs> um, Seriously, that is a good show. My comic life, I like it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We uh, we really enjoy you listening. Jeff, thank you so much. Yes. Joel had a great time. You too. Uh, I'm going to get out of here and go take care of my ladies. Uh, we are the Editing Bank. Catch you next week. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.